Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. Here we will talk about doctrine and theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to respond and face these issues. Get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready to have your tables flipped. As a friend just told me recently, Table Flippers is flipping awesome. It is an interesting time that we're living in. Yes, I totally agree with that. But the reality of it is, it's interesting for reasons other than what many people are claiming and saying. Many people in the church world today are saying, Jesus is coming back any minute now. Any minute, I can just come back any second now. And that's a very dangerous thing to think when you really understand what that means and what it means to us personally, but also what it means to the world. There's uh, people thinking that the entire economies are going to collapse, and that's a very big possibility. There's many people believing that there's going to be a global shift in uh, governments. And what I mean by that is some of our republics or democracies that are built upon a capitalistic type of economic system is going to suddenly change to socialism, communism, and all these other isms that are not very good. And again, that's a very big reality. We see that creeping into America even today. But I want to talk about something that I've been trying not to be super preachy on these podcasts. It's hard for me because, well, I am a preacher. But today I'm going to get a little preachy. I'm going to pull out some notes and I'm going to teach you something from the Bible. Now, those of you who are in the church world, stick around. You're going to learn something. Those of you who are not in the church world, stick around. You're going to learn something. I'm going to do my best to not sound so religious. I'm just going to tell you the truth from God's Word to maybe, hopefully, clear up some misconceptions and, quite frankly, just some bad teaching that's been going around in the body of Christ for a long time. And no, it's not directly end time theology however it's going to deal with the end time this is your host robert enos apostle of greater works christian church here in lancaster california and i do hope that you come out and visit us by the way i'm going to ask you to do me uh, this favor again please download this podcast and all the podcast anytime you listen to one of my podcasts listen or download it download it you can erase it later after you listen to it that's fine it's just that the analytics that they use for the particular site that I chose to host my podcast, they only um, register the downloaded um, episodes. You, you know, a thousand people can listen to it, but if they don't download it, it doesn't register with them. So I want a better reading on uh, who's listening, how many people are listening, and where you're listening. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't give me an address it's not going to tell me where you are at your address it's just it gives me a map and it gives general um idea of in this place or in this region x amount of people downloaded this podcast and i have to say i'm very pleased so i want to say thank you to all my my fans i don't really consider you fans i consider you more like friends people who have the like heart like mind like spirit and uh, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you if you've been listening, you've been tracking, you've been following, because literally, if, if I, I wish I could put video up here, and, and I'm going to be working on doing that, a vlog, I think they call it, but nonetheless, 
But I wish I could show you the analytics because I assumed when I first started this that I was going to have people, for the most part, only in the United States, maybe some friends in other countries such as South Africa or Zambia, uh, Mexico. And um, I figured I would see, you know, those places lit up, local um Palmdale, Lancaster area, Southern California area. Maybe I have some friends in Texas. I have some friends uh, closer to the East Coast. So I've just figured that I was going to see th these places lit up. I'm telling you, I am blown away in such a phenomenal way that's humbling, to be honest with you. Every time I look at it, I feel humbled that from Hawaii and all across the globe to New Zealand, uh, Australia, uh, different countries in Africa, such places that I didn't even realize that this would get into, but China and, and Asia, uh, Japan, uh, Europe, all over Europe, Middle East, Israel, the United States is lit up like a Christmas tree. And uh, I am just some in Canada, Mexico, South America, I'm blown away by the acceptance of these podcasts. So with that, what it does for me personally in this sense is it makes me realize, wow, I better work on my content, make sure it's worth, it's worthy of all of these places and people and, and people wanting to you know, just find out what's going on and, and, and have a different perspective. So my content has to be worthy, but I better be worthy. I better really work on making this the bed po uh, podcast I possibly can. I, I don't consider myself like a media guy. I don't know all the ins and outs. And I'll be honest with you, there's times I really don't care to know all the ins and outs. My heart is just to come and bring a perspective that you may not be getting anywhere else, whether it be about governmental things, societal, cultural things, but especially church things. And hopefully all of those mixed into one, because if you're like me, uh, I'm a preacher. I'm a Christian. Uh, I'm somewhat involved in local politics, interested in um, my national politics and even global politics. I am in no way an expert on any level in those areas. I'm interested and I do at times do my research and just to find out what's going on. But I also, you know, I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a grandfather. And so every all of these things that I talk about are extremely important to me beyond just something that's impersonal that I like just for myself. These are things that I realize I've got to be sharp on, I've got to know, and I've got to get the truth. I need the truth on all of these things. So I want to present the truth. I want to get beyond just, you know, one of the things being a Christian, and I've been in the church my entire life on one level or another, whether it just be a pew warmer, or a preacher in the pulpit, or a Sunday school teacher, something. I've always been in the church, except for just a small little sliver of time in my life. But my whole entire life, I've been a Christian and in church. And so there was things that we were just taught, and we didn't question it. And for, for the most part, at least in my mind, there was no reason to question it. So later on, I'm called into ministry. I get into ministry, and I go to Bible college. Again, we're taught these same things again, and I don't question it. Because again, there was no need to question it. I didn't see a reason to question it. Then I just, I have a passion for God's word. So I started reading the Bible, studying the Bible, meditating on the Bible, and studying things that are, um, how should I say, teaching tools that help me understand the Bible 
for instance, uh, the Jewish background, where the Bible was written, how it was written, the type of people, what they, their thought processes were, all of these different things so that I can, when I read a passage, I can understand what the writer was saying and the context of what, you know, from what he was saying and what he was writing. And that, as I've said before, studying the Bible is extremely dangerous in a lot of ways, and I mean a good dangerous. And I started seeing things and understanding things that I was never taught. As a matter of fact, I would be taught some one thing, I'd study it out and go, wait a minute, what I was taught was wrong, and I'm going to bring that uh, something out today. And this is extremely important. What I'm going to teach you today is extremely important to not only understand the time that we're in, but understand a portion of the Word of God that describes and speaks to the time that we're in. And not just this time, but every era and every um, age, biblically speaking, in every biblical era, all of history. And you're going to understand some things. Well, let me just get into it and you'll see what I mean. So most of you, uh, especially if you are Christians, you go to church, you've either read in the Bible, and this is found in Matthew 25, the parable of the 10 virgins, or you've heard sermons on this. This is one of the um, favorite portions of scripture for sermons, especially on the end time, when people start talking about end time. Now, I'm not trying to, to necessarily do this for an end time understanding, but just a biblical understanding. So, the parable of the ten virgins, I'll just read it. It's a little bit of reading, so please track with me. If you're sitting somewhere and you're able to pause this and go get your Bible, please do. We're going to be reading Matthew 25, <clears throat> verses 1 through 13. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, As surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Verse 13, that last verse, is the reason why so many use this for end time teaching, end time discussion. You don't know when the Son of Man is coming. So, anyways, but put that aside for just a moment. So in this story, you have these 10, what it, what it calls virgins. Another translation, and you can translate that word virgin into maiden. So 10 maidens, 10 virgins, both are okay, both are correct. And they're supposed to be tending to the bride. Now what's so interesting about this passage is the bride is never mentioned. I wanna say that again, the bride is never mentioned. Now the reason this is so important is because you have the bridegroom who represents Jesus. The bride always represents his bride, the church, but the bride is never mentioned in this passage. The others that are mentioned are ten 
virgins, or to say it like this, attendants of the bride. In a modern context, we would understand it as bridesmaids. So 10 bridesmaids are mentioned, the bridegroom, Jesus, but no bride, you and me. Now it's been taught traditionally that the 10 virgins represent the church. Five of them are wise and ready to meet the bridegroom. Five are foolish, not ready to meet the bridegroom. Half of them get to go in, half of them don't get to go in. And the conclusion has always been, Jesus being the bridegroom, he's going to come back, the second coming. Those who, there's going to be a bunch of people that claim to be followers of Jesus, and only half of them are going to go to be with Jesus, because one half was wise, ready for him, the other half was not wise. And so they got left outside. But you see, that it doesn't fit the context. That's an easy, and I'm just going to be honest, ignorant way to look at this. Ignorant because it doesn't, it doesn't um, fully explain everything that's going on here. So I, I, for just for time's sake, I need to go through this quickly. So please track with me. So it, this is all based upon the early Jewish wedding at the time of Christ, okay? And during that time, so so when the a, a gentleman wants to marry a woman, they make arrangements between uh, fathers, okay? The father of the bridegroom or the father of the groom and the fa father of the bride get together. They work it all out. They work out the details of not just, you know, yes, you can marry my daughter or no, you can't marry my daughter, but all of the details are worked out, including the day, or at least maybe not the exact moment, but how the wedding is gonna take place and a general sense of when the wedding is gonna take place. Because what, what would happen is the bridegroom or the groom would go back to his father's house and through the inheritance from the father, he would be, build a house for his soon-to-be wife now when they when when everything's agreed upon they are technically legally fully married we they called it they were betrothed okay so they were they were fully married however they didn't get to do all the fun stuff if you know what i mean so and that didn't happen until they came together so the the groom went off started building a house he didn't stop building that house until his father said now you're ready, go get your bride. Generally speaking, that took six months to a year. Okay, depending on the situation, depending on where they were, depending on their, you know, a, a lot of things. <clears throat> Did he just build a section onto the already existing family home? Did he build a whole complete new home? All of that. But it wasn't until the father said to his son, now go get your bride. Now, the reason this is all so important, because it does play into a lot of other scriptures. Remember, Jesus said, no man knows the hour. I don't even know. Only my Father in heaven. He'll tell me when to go get my bride. You see, and it's all playing on that Jewish wedding. So after the Father looks at what the Son built for his bride, for his wife, he says, now you can go get her. The final preparations are made, and what I mean by this they, they, they start the feast. They start preparing for the feast. They start cooking. They start decorating. They start stringing the lights. They start, you know, roasting the, uh, the, the cow. They start, you know, mixing the wine. Whatever they do for that wedding in that sense, they prepare everything for the wedding. Now, the bride is, doesn't even really fully know what's going on yet. 
Okay, this is the groom taking care of all of this <clears throat> with his father's approval and oversight. Then when everything is set and they're completely ready, I mean, don't get me wrong, there is some communication like, hey, we're starting to decorate, things like that. Okay, but the exact moment is not known. It isn't until everything is fully prepared. Then the father says, now go get your bride. So what would happen at that moment is the attendance to the groom, okay, his, his uh, what do they call them? The best man and the um, groomsman, okay, in the modern context. What they would do is they would go out before the groom, all the way back to the bride's home. And they would be singing, they would be dancing, they would be shouting, behold, the, the bridegroom is coming, but they would be before him, okay? And there would be this, this big uh, a party all the way through the streets of the town to the bride's home. The, the uh, uh, bridesmaids, or in this sense, these 10 virgins were attending to the bride. It was their job to hear the shout receive the message that the bridegroom is coming for the bride, and then they were to do the final preparations for the bride to meet the groom. And that had to be quick, so they already had, they already had to be prepared to some degree. And then once she was finally fully prepared, she stayed at the home, and those virgins, those bridesmaids, would then go out, find the procession, the party that was walking through the street and join the party and show they were the ones that would show the way from wherever they were at the 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 um groomsmen and the party goers and all the people that came to celebrate and direct them back to the home to the bride and the reason they had to have lamps because often not always but often that would take place at night and they would need their lamps so they could see where they were going. And the people would follow the light, the lamps that the these maidens, these virgins had, and they were on poles, you know, so they're up maybe four or five feet over the head of these, these young ladies as they walk through the streets, dancing and singing and, and shouting with the group and leading them, leading the entire group and thus the bridegroom ultimately to the bride's home. And when all the party got to the bride's home, the bridegroom would come through the crowd, take his wife by the hand, and then they would go back to wherever the party was at, wherever the wedding was going to be. And in this case, as what we read in Matthew 25, they were basically going back to the father's home where everything was set and everything was prepared. Often it was the mother's home, but nonetheless, they would go back to where that was. And once everybody came through, they would shut the doors. And there was a reason why they would shut the doors. There was a lot of reasons for it. <clears throat> One, it was a, like a statement. If you aren't here by now, you're not a part of this. It was also so things would not be interrupted. And again, it was a thing of honor and respect. If you didn't get here by now, you just you don't need to be a part of this. And so they shut the door. Now, the picture that we have here, you have these 10 virgins. These are not the bride. This is not, you know, the, the collective group of believers called the Bride of Christ. The Bride was never mentioned in this. So who are these uh, virgins and who do they represent? I'm telling you that they represent the fivefold ministry as found in Ephesians chapter 4. Let me read Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16. 
It says, and he himself, it's speaking of Jesus, it's speaking of the bridegroom. So let's put it this way. The bridegroom gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. Did you catch that? In cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Let me go back to verse 11, Ephesians 4, 11. He, the bridegroom, he, Jesus, the groom, the bridegroom, the one that's coming back for you and me, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the equipping of the saints, or we could say it this way, I don't want to add or take away from scripture, but I do want to understand it. The collective group of the saints is the bride. So we could we could understand it like this. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the bride for the work of ministry. So so let's back up and, and reference this and, and, and put this together with Matthew 25. The bride groom Jesus is coming for his bride. There's these virgins or maidens or uh, bridesmaids that are supposed to take care and prepare the bride for the bridegroom. Five turn out to be fully prepared and ready and wise. The other five turn out to be foolish. It wasn't that they didn't have the understanding or the know-how. They just didn't have the oil in their lamps to light the way from the father's house to where the bride was being prepared. Did you capture that? Who is supposed to be preparing the church today, the bride of Christ today, for the bridegroom? The fivefold ministers. When you have the fivefold ministries, those called to be apostles or prophets or pastors or evangelists or teachers, and they don't have the anointing and the preparation of the oil for their calling, then not only is the bride going to hurt, but they are severely going to be hurt when the bridegroom shows up. So I've heard too many people say half the church isn't even going to make it. That's not true at all. 100% of the church, those who Jesus knows is his bride, 100% is going to get in. He knows who is his and, he, and who isn't. Forget about those people who claim. There's a lot of people who say, oh, I'm a Christian. No, no. Jesus knows who his bride is. And he knows where to find her. Okay? That's not a problem. 100% of the true bride of Christ is going to heaven. We know that. But not all of the fivefold ministry is going to make it in, according to Matthew 25. Did you, I mean, are you understanding this now? Are you understanding the time that we're in? Those who are supposed to be preparing you and me, the common average everyday Joe, half of them are doing a great job. The other half are not. Half of them are prepared with the oil and they know the way and they know the sound and they're listening for the sound. 
and they know the way, and they've been working to prepare the um, bride for the bridegroom, and the other half, lazy, or have other things in their mind, other things in their heart, but not the bride, certainly not the bridegroom, because they don't even have the oil. The oil, yes, does represent anointing. It does represent Holy Spirit in a, in, in a certain way, but more than that, it represents the preparation and empowering needed to fulfill the position they have been called to. And there's so many pastors, so many so-called fivefold ministers that are not called, not prepared, don't have the oil of preparation or the oil of power for that position. They like the accolades. They like being in the room with the bride. They like being in the room with the other virgins or the other maidens, the other um, fivefolders. They love the idea that they're, they're going to be part of this procession leading the bridegroom to his bride and the bride to the bridegroom. But they're not ready for it. They're not prepared for it. They like all those ideas. They like the name that it gives them, the prestige that it gets them. But they're not prepared themselves, so they really can't prepare anybody else. So we have this huge problem. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to ask yourself. You have to ask yourself, Christians, you have to ask yourself, is my pastor or whatever title he or she holds, your apostle, your prophet, your evangelist, your teacher, your pastor, are they one of the foolish version, virgins that wouldn't know the sound of the bridegroom if he was standing right next to them holding their hand? Or are they part of the wise? They not only are understand the sound, waiting for the sound, but they're fully prepared. They have oil in their lamps and they're ready to go. They not only have been um, working diligently to build up the bride, but they know the bridegroom and the sound and the voice of the bridegroom. And they're prepared to bring the two together. If you, if you can't say, that's not my pastor, maybe you should go find another church. And don't stop looking until you find one that's being led and pastored by, if you, to use this, a virgin, somebody who's pure, pure in heart, pure in life, pure in motive, pure in speech. Find somebody that's pure and actually preparing the bride and listening for the sound of the bridegroom. And you know they have oil in their lamps. Find that one. Support them. Stand with them. Listen to them. Walk with them. Talk with them. Because... If this takes place in our lifetime, you don't want to be around one of those foolish virgins. They'll miss it altogether. So take that to heart. Pray about it. Because I'm telling you, we're seeing a new light. New light is being shined on some of these passages. And we're seeing truth and reality that's been there all the time. But we've been missing it through bad teaching. God's going to move. God's going to do some great things. I want you ready for it. I hope you go and check out our merchandise page. We have hats, t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I just got in my own hat, and I've been wearing it, and I've been getting a lot of compliments on it. It's a fantastic hat. My daughter designed all of these, but we have hats, t-shirts, hoodies, and more. And if you go to tableflippers.com, that's tableflippers.com, and use FREEDOM as your promo code, you'll get a discount. Fantastic stuff, beautiful stuff, and it'll help me, it'll help you. And together, we'll be flipping awesome. Thank you for joining us at Table Flippers Podcast. I'd really love to hear from you. Please look us up on the web at www 
gwcclancaster, one word, dot org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Or you can email me at gwccrobert at gmail.com. I'd really love to hear from you. Please let us know how we're doing. Keep all those comments coming. Until next time, you all have a great and a blessed day. Mm-hmm.